what is up my dudes welcome back to yet another episode of olympia oddities so i've been taking advantage of the super nice weather we've had lately and checked out some really cool places i finally got to go and see the a-frame house that was buried in the mount st helens eruption and it was so cool steven and i drove out there and took a bunch of fun pictures with their bigfoot statues too they have one that's like 20 feet tall it's absolutely amazing and the drive out there is so beautiful on a nice sunny day i really recommend it like i it was so cool so mind-blowing to actually get to see that in person the other awesome place that i visited was the international mermaid museum in westport it just recently opened and admission to get in is free for the time being so it's definitely worth checking out and if you want to get in for free you know go soon They had this glittery floor that I absolutely loved, and now I want to figure out a way to incorporate that into my future dream house somewhere. And they had some really cool displays. I really liked the Fiji mermaid section, of course, I love that kind of stuff. And they had this rad mermaid skeleton displayed near it that I really want as a Halloween decoration for myself. It's on the same property as a winery, and I don't drink, but I still had a great time at the museum. The gift shop had tons of Bigfoot stuff too, like loads of it and they had an awesome sculpture garden to walk around in. So for today's episode, I'm covering an episode, or a topic, that was sent in to to me by a listener for the first time ever. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the time that an organized mob of masked bandits declared war on a West Olympia neighborhood. In 2006, a group of raccoons in West Olympia completely lost their shit. The group even had a leader, a large male, that residents of the area would later call a monster. Their crime spread over a three-block-wide area over near the Garfield Nature Trail. The raccoons killed ten cats, injured a small dog, and even bit one owner as she tried to pull three of them off of her cat one night. The cat's owner, Lisanne Roll, had to get a rabies shot afterwards as a precaution. She even took to carrying an iron pipe with her when she went outside at night. She told the Seattle PD that, I was watching her like a hawk, but she snuck out. Then I heard this hideous sound, a coyote-type high pitch. It was vicious. They were focused on ripping her apart. In one instance, five raccoons attempted to carry off a small dog, but were unsuccessful. A community meeting about the problem drew more than 40 people, and a raccoon watch was started by Tamara Keaton and Carrie Hall. The goals of the patrol were to encourage people to stop feeding the raccoons and to keep their pets and their pets' food inside. One of the neighborhood residents was a man named Tony Benjamins. Tony's family lost two cats and ended up getting a German Shepherd Rottweiler mix to help keep the raccoons away. Other residents made cat coops so their cats could go outside safely. The sudden vicious attacks on cats were surprising to those who lived in the area. For years, the cats and raccoons had coexisted peacefully with Tony saying that they even got within five feet of each other at times, with no issues. He told the Seattle PI that, We used to love the raccoons. They'd have their babies this time of the year, and they were so cute. Even though we lived in the city, it was neat to have wildlife around. But this year, things changed. They went nuts. A group of neighbors were able to save one cat from being killed. Of the incident, a neighbor said that, We were right there trying to get him off the cat. The cat was screaming, and the raccoon was ferocious. My husband and a neighbor grabbed a shovel and a bat, and they were waving until it took off. It was scary. Another thing that helped save this cat is that the cat, Sweetie, was overweight, and that the raccoon was unable to pull her underneath the deck. It did manage to pull her so hard that it it damaged her internal organs, though. 
When describing the raccoons to the Olympian, neighborhood residents described them as a new breed of raccoon and that they were urban raccoons that were unafraid and pointed out that there was one really big bad dude. Tony Benjamin said that this big bad raccoon was the biggest raccoon I've ever seen. He was a monster. The people living in the neighborhood hired Tom Brown, a nuisance wildlife animal operator from Rochester, to see if he could trap the raccoons. He set up traps filled with sardines and cat food since he uses what people have most likely been feeding the raccoons to trap them. Brown said that he can usually resolve an issue like this in just a few weeks, but these traps only caught one raccoon in the six weeks that they were set up. He told the Olympian that this is because raccoons can teach their young about the traps and how to avoid them. He said that the large male leader of the group had most likely been in a live trap before. Sean Carell, who was a problem wildlife coordinator with the State Department of Fish and, Wild oh, Fish and Wildlife. Oh my god, let me try that one more time. Department of Fish and Wildlife. There we go. Said that it's highly unlikely that you will ever trap him again and he'll just teach others to stay away. Brown decided to back off of the trap plan for a while, waiting until their food source had dried up to set them again, hoping that their hunger would drive them into the traps. Word of the weird raccoon war spread, and people from all over the world started commenting and sending in theories of what they thought could be causing the animal's bizarre behavior. A man from South Africa commented on the Olympian's website saying that those living there should shoot the raccoons. The city replied that they couldn't do that since shooting a gun inside of city limits is illegal. A man in Northern California suggested that they track them with bloodhounds, but in Washington it's illegal to hunt raccoons with hounds. Others suggested using tasers, that ammonia would keep the raccoons at bay, and that leaving chili powder out at night would deter them. Another one, or one of the more interesting theories came from a woman named Emily Ashworth of Bellingham, who claimed that eating certain fungi can cause aggression in rodents. She suggested that the mushrooms growing in the area should be checked out. Some people feared that rabies or distemper could be the reason for the attacks, but Dr. Greg Bennett of the Tumwater Veterinary Hospital said that neither is likely. Distemper just makes them deathly sick, so they would be too lethargic to attack, and rabid raccoons have not been identified any time recently in Washington. The most likely explanation is that it was a learned behavior for the raccoons, made worse by the fact that people were feeding them and the abundance of fruit on the trees of the neighborhood that year. The Department of Fish and Wildlife gave the neighbors a list of tips on how to deal with the issue. The tips were, don't feed them, don't leave any food out that they can get into, clean your grill, the odor can att attract them, don't put your trash can out where they can get into it, keep your lights on, raccoons like to avoid being seen, and keep gates closed to make it harder for them to get to the house. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, leave me a positive review, tell a friend, or follow the Instagram or Facebook for the pod at Olympia Oddities Podcast on both. Um, if you want to submit your own spooky or weird story, you can DM me or send me an email into the pod. I try to get back to everyone as soon as I can, and I absolutely love hearing from you all. So if you ever have the urge to send something in, please don't hesitate. Remember not to feed the wildlife, and until next time, friends.